more on barriers to iOS upgrade adoption for both users and developers, and app clips. What happened? This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is brought to you by the Mac Voices Slack, available to all patrons of Mac Voices. Sign up today at patreon.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, the Mac Voices Live panel continues our discussion of iOS upgrade percentage adoption and what some of the barriers are, some surprising barriers for developers as well as users. Then we start to talk about what happened to app clips. Where did they go? Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. Jeff, do you think one of the reasons that we see it, the, the, the rate this high, I mean, we've been talking about why it's not higher, but you think one of the reasons we see it this high is uh, the focus on security? And every time something comes out, even though Apple doesn't specifically say a lot of times what is in the update, pretty much there's always a mention of a security fix, sometimes a little more urgent than others, but there's always a mention of a security fix. I think the uh, the security fix part is important for a subset of Apple users. I, I, I those think, users upgraded two months ago, right? Yeah, they yeah they upgraded already, and uh, and then they're staying on top of of all the updates. Um, I I think it's more about uh, uh, it's easier for no finding updates for the operating system on the iPhone is more approachable for the average person I think and uh, and it's an easy process and the the worst part for most people is uh you have to wait a few minutes while <clears throat> while the uh, updater installs and your phone reboots before you can start texting your friends again so it's a, it's not an intimidating thing, and it's available to everyone. Um, unlike some Android phones that are still uh, constrained by whatever your carrier deems is appropriate to push out to you. I thought this was a weird article because you know it seems kind of clickbaity to me. These numbers are not from Apple; they're from some company called Mixpanel. Who the heck are they? Where do they get these numbers? They're not comparing it to previous. They're not comparing it to iOS 15. They're comparing it to Android. I mean, what? I Um, didn't even read the piece. I assumed that this was a piece that was using data that Apple had provided. Now, it says Apple hasn't released that this cycle yet. Oh, well, then in that case, um, there's uh, no number in these values at all. They're they're well, doing what Mark said, where, they, the where they pull stuff out of their butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. And, and but, I, and but I, again, I would I would I would point out that uh, maybe this is odd for a December piece, but uh, you know I can remember you know Tim Cook seems or or Craig, you know they boast at uh, WWDC about how many people have upgraded in our current so. You know, independent of the source and independent of whether it's sixty nine percent or seventy three percent or sixty three percent, you know, I think it really shows the general trend, which is that uh, you know, there's well, a lot of value in iPhones because you can get upgraded iOS, 
uh, which gives you added security when Apple comes out with it, as well as uh, uh, new OS features and uh, new capabilities for Mac developers. The, the, The reason why they would mention that at WWDC would be they want developers to write for these APIs. So, um, you know, if there's a if there's some API that's iOS 16 only, you know, it's a new one that was introduced this year. Um, so, as a developer, I might be like, you know what, that's a nice Wizzy Wizzy API. But if I include that API in my app, I am now locking out any customer that is not running iOS 16. Um, so maybe I'm like, you know what, I I still want to sell to iOS 15 owners. And Apple wants you to not do that. Apple wants you to, um, you know, yeah, just immediately from the first minute, toss everybody with the older operating system, you know, over the side and go forward. And actually, that is an interesting point versus Mac versus um, uh, iOS as far as this goes, because for developers, Apple makes it really hard to support older versions of iOS in in a, in a bunch of different ways. Like they come out with new versions of Xcode and then they say, you have to use this new version of Xcode to submit to the store. And of course the store is the only way you could ship software, but then the new versions of Xcode drop support for older versions of iOS. So there are some user, some you know developers are like, oh, I would like to still support iOS 12. And you know maybe it's something like, uh, uh, maybe it's an app that, you know, for a medical device, let's say, and they, you know, they don't need WYSI new features. But they want to support every possible customer. They don't want to, you know, if you've bought our device, we don't want to turn, you know, we want it to work with any phone out there, even if you're not operating your operating system. But Apple is, you know, making that, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, posts on developer forums like, oh, you know, now I, I can't support iOS 12 anymore. Apple just won't, you know, I can't submit an app in the store that will still do that. There can be apps in the store that did already, but I can't, they can't be changed. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know what the moral of that story is, but it is a reason for developers to, you know, developers are sort of like herded along, like move along, move along. It's like sheep, you know, <laughs> Well, okay, so Jim, I want to make sure I ask this this correctly so that it comes out the way I mean it. How often do they create a new feature that prohibits you from including all the old features and just recognizing that that new feature will not run on the new new version of the OS? It's not the feature when I'm here. What I'm talking about is the developer tools. So... um, Every year they come out with a new version of Xcode. And then after a while, they start saying, you cannot submit an app to the App Store unless it's with the latest version of Xcode. Okay. Oh, so okay. So you if you have an app that you know you wrote it in Xcode 12, and you know, that's fine, that supports iOS 12. Um, and now even if you don't you know, do anything, you can't continue to use Xcode 12 anymore because Apple will not accept an app submitted from Xcode 12. Okay. 
that's something I did not not understand. Well, it's it's kind of in the weeds. Why would you know if you're not a developer? Who cares? Uh, although it does have that this ramification that I'm talking about. That you know, like a developer can't go back and you know they might have to do a bug. You know, say they've got a bug fix. Well, in order to submit that bug fix, they have to. It also you know from a developer's point of view, you know. Moving versions of Xcode can be a big deal, just like moving to operating systems. And that's another reason why for a developer moving to a new version of, because uh, uh, they, they don't support old versions of Xcode either, even on Mac OS, you know, like Ventura won't run Xcode 12 anymore. So if you want to use Ventura, you've got to move up. And every time you move Xcode, that's always a, a major pain in the ass. Um, excuse me. Uh, uh, you know, and there's always little you got to go and do your code and because Apple's changing frameworks and APIs and stuff like that. So that's you've got to do that. Um, now on on the Mac OS libraries, they haven't you know Xcode 14. You can still pretty much, although actually you still can't go. You can't go all the way back. Like I think right now you could still develop for Mac OS 10.11, but not anything older than that. And so it's 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 further back than on the iOS side. Um, well, in fact, that may not be true. I'm actually doing my development on a big server machine. I'm not sure if I move to Ventura, I may have to. I may have to drop support for you know some older versions of Mac OS because I'm not sure if Xcode uh, 14 will, will let me do that, whether I want to or not. Hmm. As you said, this may be a little bit in the weeds, but I think it's interesting because there's so many things going behind the scenes that. Uh, there's nobody on this panel that hasn't had somebody say uh, that they they have an older machine and they don't want to break it, so they just leave it there. And why can't my machine be supported? And these are some of the reasons that you know that we don't always appreciate. It's not just the developer saying, "I'm sorry, but you know your your 10 year old Mac is just not up to up to speed." Um, it, it your your Mac very well may be up to speed, but there. The requirements Apple has that is pushing you, the developer, forward. So, um, so uh, Mark Fuccio in our in our chat room has dubbed this the perfect sequel to this story. So we'll we'll just go with it. Um, and that is from Apple Insider. Um, what happened to App Clips? Good question. <laughs> it just it it took a big phenomenon. Uh, is that still back a feature? Yeah, I mean, yes. I remember talking about it ton, tons on my show and and uh, 2020 when during during the uh, height of the pandemic and everybody was using it and when they got out they it's easy to use them as app clips but then everybody just kind of just stopped using it because I never found it to be very valuable. I mean, I I I would go to whatever merchants that were using it but um, felt that whatever merchant I would go to or you know, where whatever it was a, a uh, a food place or or the retailer, or whatever it it just didn't find any value to it, so it just just kind of kind of faded away. So it's interesting that Apple I mean, still supports it. Actually, it's still yeah. there. This article um, uh, spawned some discussion on a developer Slack that I belong to, mm -hmm. um, and you know there there's it's still fully supported, and yeah. um, I. I some of the developers um, thought that, you know, one problem was it was introduced just before the pandemic. And, you know, this is sort of an in-person 
feature, you know, like go somewhere and, yeah. and grab an app clip. Um, I, I've seen it. Like I went to a gas station that had a thing that said, you, know, you can pay for your gas using an app clip, but it also took Apple pay. So I just used my watch. Right. Um, and, but there were some people on this developer Slack that, you know, some people said they'd seen it in restaurants where they were app clips for the menu. Um, so it just, you know, I, I think it was unfortunate that it was introduced right before the pandemic. So that probably, you know, in-person applications were sort of, you know, not something that developers were, um, you know, to, you know, thinking about front of mind and it never really came back. You know, now it's like, oh, they have that thing from three years ago. Well, never mind. Yeah. David, for for those of us who have forgotten what app clips were, if we ever knew what app clips were, um, but since they're clearly not uh, at top of mind, what is an app clip and why would I want to use it? Oh, really what it does is it lets you go to a uh, particular site. I mean, they, they gave in the instance in the article about going to Apple Maps and, and example, you want to you search for a Panera Bread and it, the app clip would easily allow it to be discoverable um, and allows you to go, okay, the, the app clip comes up in the app and in, in the Maps app and then, okay, oh, okay, I can go to that clip and then go right over and, and put, place my order with, Pan, uh, with Pan, Panera Bread. Other vendors, like they mentioned, in Starbucks in in 2022, two years later, that you aren't able to circumvent that without downloading the Starbucks app. So, uh, so that just kind of is is a uh, example of you know uh, uh, a vendor like that uh, was looking at it, but then said, yeah, it's not really worth us continuing to develop on. So we uh, uh, we just moved on, you know, and then. I remember gas stations, for example, Exxon Mobil, or where they have the tap to pay. I've gone to Exxon Mobil before to purchase gas, and it's 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 pretty nifty. Their app itself, so you can go up to the pump and be able to just type the pump number and where you are, and it just boom, it just knows you're there, and you're able to make the payment right from your from your iPhone and and, and pay for your gas. So um, they had the app clip at first, and then and then new app came out. <laughs> so same thing. So I, I I think it was kind of a interesting thing that they did by by putting it in like the maps app because you're going to a location making it easy to get to it without having to go to the actual app but then it ends up redirecting you there anyway so the idea was supposed to be that downloading an entire app is right. you know owner, onerous so I, you know one of the app examples that apple gave was like a parking lot yeah. and so like say you wanted to you know a parking lot wanted to use an app but you know people might be resistant to download a whole app and now and then they've got this app that they didn't want cluttering up their device. Mm-hmm. So the idea was that you could just, you know, like there'd be a QR code, boom, and it would just download a minimum app that would be just enough to do a transition, tran- not transition, transaction, and then you'd throw it away. So without having to, you know, the whole, you know, like the idea being that an app is kind of heavy. And this is a light version, throwaway version of an app. So, you know, they, they did need to get buy-in from developers, which I, you know, I don't think they did. Um, maybe they just thought, oh, we made this available and, you know, developers would, would love it. Um, that didn't really happen. And I don't think they, you know, they probably needed, and you know, maybe this could still happen. Some hero cases 
Yeah. You know, like, you know, maybe some city implements app clips for their parking meters across a a big city. And then other people could look at this and go, oh, yeah, this is great. Um, Jim, I have a question for you. Um, So is it possible? And and I'm and I'm asking because I genuinely have no idea. (laughs) Is it possible that part of what's going on is that some of these companies that, that are making their apps, they're using one of the right once deploy everywhere solutions. And if you're doing that, does that limit your ability to, uh, to create these uh, app clips? Um, I don't know. That's, I mean, certainly, I would think that would be have to be something that the person, you know, the company that wrote the right once deploy would have to have implemented that feature. Um, I don't know whether that's, you know, something that would be hard to do in that case. But, I, I you know, I suspect most of these, you know, the, the, the thing is they're, they're trying to get around, like, people have a reluctance to download an app. And I think that's true. Right. I, you know, I'd be reluctant to download a whole app just to get a parking. You know, I might be like, you know what, I'm going to go to that parking lot. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure, you know, so so that's the point, you know, but I'm, I'm not sure that they got around that. Like people might even, you know, I don't know what an app clip is, so I'm still going to go to the other parking lot. Um, you know, it's one of those things that probably takes education at different, you know, levels. And who knows? Apple may think this is a perfectly successful feature. There may be hidden, you know, you know, apps out there that we're not aware of that are implementing this, and it's getting getting used every day. Maybe not as much as it could be, but um, you know, I don't think it's costing Apple anything other than what you know they originally took to develop it. So, uh, you know, I think this is a feature that's probably not going to go away. And at some point we might, we may run into, oh, look, there's an app clip and that's really what I need to do to, you know, you know, for whatever, you know, I need to use the storage locker or I need to, you know, pay a toll or I need to something. This edition of Mac Voices is brought to you by the Mac Voices Slack, available to all patrons of Mac Voices. Sign up today at patreon.com slash macvoices. Mark? Okay, so um, by by analogy, I think you know, this is a software analogy of, you know, the uh, the smart touchpad on uh, MacBook Pros were, you know, for hardware. It's something that was interesting and uh, didn't take off. And did it take off because it's a solution to no known problem? Uh, did it not take off because maybe Apple didn't have enough of a team to evangelize it? Uh, either way, we don't know. So I don't know if we've heard anything that app clips are no longer available or supported. Um, so this article, I think, it just uh, went back and uh, raised some attention about you know something that we were supposedly going to think was a great solution. Uh, unlike David... Um, I never ran into anything that seemed to have them. And that leads into sort of my next comment, which is, if I recall correctly, you know, I think uh showed this and his whole point was, you know, as you're going around, your know, Apple will somehow pick this up, you know, your your phone will pick it up, you know, through Bluetooth or something. So 
I think it was part of a location-based uh, service. And I think it was usually QR codes. Right. Was it for Q? Okay. Um, so, so like your parking meter would have a QR code. You'd hold up the phone and it would download this little app clip, you know, in 10 seconds and yeah, you pay for your parking well, why don't spot. Why don't you be like everybody else? I have a QR code and you take me to a website where I can, you know, where I can use app if they're, you know, forward thinking, I can just, you know, log in, I use Apple Pay and pay for a parking, you know. So, again, it seems to me that it's, it doesn't seem, from where I sit, it doesn't seem like it's a solution to any problem that anybody well, I know. Apple doesn't want you to use a, a, a web, a website. And I, I think, you know, David, you mentioned Starbucks. I think Starbucks, they want you to install your their full app yes. and keep it on the phone. That that is, you know, and Starbucks has the muscle that, you know, you probably will do that. So, you know, I think Apple's intention was this was for applications where, you know, people, you know, that aren't like Starbucks that are big giants that you might, you know, you might keep. So I'm sure there's people that keep Starbucks on their home screen or even in their dock, um, you know, um, but you're not going to do that home screen. You're not going to, you're not going to do that for a parking lot. So, you know, this, this was, you know, the fact that Starbucks isn't using it, that is not, you know, surprising. It's, it's counter to what Starbucks's goals are, but for, you know, there's a lot of applications where there, you know, no one is ever going to say, Oh, I want to have this app on my phone, but they still want to have the benefit of, you know, doing something through an app. Right, like I said, it's a solution to no known problem. And one thing we haven't really gotten <clears> into is how much does it cost to develop one of these things? So as a as that uh, parking lot, you know, are you going to look at that? And you know, I can't imagine. You know, so it's going to be some number of thousands of dollars. You know, do you really care? Is it really worth it to you? Versus, uh, you know, sorry guys, you just have to stick a credit card in. I mean, you know, so uh, I think there's really point of diminishing value and utility on some of this. You know, it it could have been maybe really good for other things. I was I was constantly expecting that. It seemed to me that the uh, WWDC announcement of it was only part one. I was always expecting something else to come back from this, but uh, it never did. So um, I don't know. Maybe Apple was looking for you know stuff to announce that year, and uh, you know, app uh, app, you know these things came in. I think. The other thing that it would help with is cases where you needed an app to do something, but there wasn't enough bandwidth to actually download it. So if you're at a Starbucks, you've got the Starbucks network. You can get a full app. That's not an issue. If you're trying to do ride hailing or you know pay for parking or whatever, you could be in an area where you just can't get enough bandwidth to get a full app in a timely fashion, but a little snippet of an app that might work, you know, and, and, you know, after the years after they've announced this, you know, a lot of networks are a whole lot faster. Um, that might have reduced the need a little bit where it's just, yeah, easy. we all have 5g, 5g. <laughs> Cause you know, uh, I wasn't going to say this, but I find that um, unless I'm really out in the boonies somewhere where it drops down to LTE, it, it, the thought of downloading an app is not, you know, all that uh, oppressive. 
Yeah, I mean, there's some really huge fat overweight of BSAPs out there, but you know, things that are like you know 30, 40, 50 megabytes, that stuff comes down pretty, pretty rapidly. So that if you really need it and you don't have it on the phone, you can get access to it. Or I can get access to it. I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've been in the middle of a book and go to change the <clears> notes, <throat> and I don't have enough network access to get the next page. So oh, I that just hurts. for low bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this um, Apple Insider article, like, is a good article. I just read it and it's got most of the points that we've covered here. Yeah. Andrew, uh, you, you were talking about the size of AppClips in the private chat. Um, is this, I mean, was this a solution in search of a problem or is it something that just because of the circumstances of when it came out and the fact that people weren't moving around, um, it just, didn't get wide adoption. You know, I kind of think it was um, kind of the circumstances, you know, we were all mentioning people stopped traveling because of COVID and all that, all that, because Apple isn't the first to do this. Google had this first, they had this thing called instant apps or something like that. I think where it may not have been the exact same concept, but they kind of marketed it as, you can download this app instantly and try it out. And if you like it, you can download the full app. I think Apple may, th may, may have thought it out a little better. Um, but I agree with what Eric said. It's, it was good for people with a, a, a low bandwidth situation, because as far as I know, like I mentioned, I think the, the absolute limit, for the app clip sizes was 10 uh, megabytes. I think that's so right. So these were meant to be very bite-sized um, apps. Right. And, and that, I mean, I, I'm not sure I agreed with Mark's point, uh, and he stepped away for a second, but yeah, I mean, a parking app, uh, you know. It, parking I, apps I are a pain in the butt. Yeah, they they are. I mean, they're they're convenient and there's there are definite advantages to them. But I'm with you, Jeff. They they are a pain, especially when Town A adopts you know App One and Town B adopts App Two and, mm -hmm. and on and on. And you know, I have so a ton an of those apps on my phone. Yeah, and uh, and I don't want to get rid of them because it's for it's for towns that are all around me. What if I need to park in that town again? Now I just have this stupid app that I might use in two years, just taking up space on my phone. And mm. when I go to use it next time. And getting time, updating, updated five times a month. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, and the next time I go to use it 18 months from now, that's been so long. I have to re-log into the app. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it, you know, I mean, maybe it's time for developers and all of us to re-examine app clips. Um, I, I will tell you the first thing when, when David said QR code, it's like, oh boy, you know, because that, you know, what? so what's wrong with the QR well, code? It's just a way of well, typing in a URL. Well, but the problem is that you don't know necessarily until you've scanned it, what, where it's sending you. I mean, if you'd like to think that it's legitimate, but if it's not, if somebody came along and pasted a new QR code or, or modified that one, then you know you may be sent to someplace malicious. So take a risk, um, that's for sure. Yeah. So you know it's it 
I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how you get around that part. Because I mean, we've, we've you're going to communicate codes. something into your phone. You're taking a risk that that something might be malicious. Yeah, absolutely. I think that these ad clips relied on like not just your generic QR code, but it was like, you know, this Apple specific, probably proprietary scanning code that they relied upon for these app clips. I don't know if right, there's some but security I think, risk I, I in think that. Chuck is saying I don't want to point my phone at any QR code. Right. How does he how does he know what, you know, it's an Apple? Maybe it's not an Apple one. But that's, that's the thing. But mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like, well, what's it gonna do? Maybe go to a website that so what? If it's if I see something, I close that panel. Well, but, but I know yeah, again, it's I mean, it's you better a, it's, not it's you, potential... be, you better stop going to Twitter, Chuck. You might <laughs> again. It's a potential <laughs> attack vector because you don't know what's there. You know, it's you could be sending you up for a phishing attack. You know, and it's well, I mean, and, it's, you know, it's, it's possible. The, is it like internet? Well, to, but that's but the Jim, point, Jim. Is you know. These things are possible. Are they likely? You know, you go to a restaurant. Uh, uh, you know, is it a brewery in uh, in uh, in Milwaukee? You know, last summer, you know, had tip uh, you know, back to Eric. You know, and uh, you know everything there. You know, they had no. You had to really ask for a paper menu. Everything else was all based on QR codes and things. So I thought it was a great experience, um, but. Um, you know, I can understand that depending on where you are, you might be in a little shady or sketchy area that you may not want to point your phone at something. So, um, it's, well, but it's all about the same uh, thing as clicking choice. a link on a web page. Well, but that's I know exactly I'm not why. saying I'm I'm not saying that, but you know, there's you know, there's trustworthy and then there's sketchy web pages out there, and you get emails and you know. That's the greatest source of phishing attacks, right? Everyone keeps coming back to, you know, training people to be cautious on, you know, not, uh, you know, easily, gratuitously clicking on links that uh, are coming in, you know, to spam mails or, you know, because you just don't know where they go. So, uh, I mean, I don't think we're arguing anything different. We're just looking at it, uh, um, you know, you're saying you can't remove the risk. That's right. I agree with that entirely. But, you know, some people do want to remove the risk. And how do they do it? You know, by adjusting their behavior so that they don't click on links. They don't scan, you know, QR codes. I mean, there are companies out there that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to train their employees not to click on links without mm-hmm. you know, doing just a little research unless if if they are – quote unquote unexpected, whatever that means. I just got um an alert today from HP about a printer vulnerability. And it's like, okay, you know, I don't remember seeing this anywhere else. And so I went to the HP website and did a search on their their security vulnerabilities and found it. So it was legitimate. But you know, that's how much I've been trained that something that came from HP, HP logos all over the place, all the domains looked right. But it just seems strange. And so it turned out, I mean, good for me. You know, it, it turned out to be legit. But I know coming out of the pandemic, well, I, I know there know, were not. Sorry, Jim, I, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm just, you know, let's, uh, you know, take a parking meter. You know, you're either going to scan a, 
a QR code or it's going to have some, you know, 56 character URL that you're going to type in on the keyboard. Um, or if they make it a tiny URL, then you're back to I'm putting in something. I don't know what it is. Amen. So, Amen. you know, somehow or you just say we, we don't have this functionality. Um, I, and I think, you know, clicking a link on an email on my phone, it's not going to run anything. You know, the phone is not going to run an executable. So, yeah, that's a problem on a PC that you could click on something and it'd be an EXE file that'll automatically run. Although I don't think PCs will do that anymore. But it used to be that, you know, you could click something that would actually run. But on the phone, that's, you know, that doesn't, you know, Apple's got it, you know, super contained. You know, you 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 can't run something dangerous off a link on your phone. Our discussion of app clips evolved into a discussion of QR codes and whether they represent a threat vector that you need to worry about. And the discussion got heated. That discussion continues next time in Mac Voices, as well as a look at, of all things, AM radio. I'm Chuck Joyner. That's all coming up next time on Mac Voices. We'll see you then. As always, thanks for watching. Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.